So Genesis chapter 27, that's where we are tonight. Uh, Genesis chapter 27 happens about 30 years after uh, chapter 26. And back in Genesis chapter 25, we began to see problems here, just little seeds of problems in uh, Isaac and Rebekah's family. Uh, Genesis 25, 28, and one of the problems we noticed was it says, and Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game, but Rebekah loved Jacob's, right? Parents can't have uh, favorites, right? Parents can't favor one child over another. It's a recipe for disaster. It's a recipe for division in a family. And in this chapter, that's what we're going to see. We're going to see this dysfunctional family. This is really a dark, tragic chapter. There's division in this home. Uh, there's an effort to thwart God's uh, eternal plan. But, spoiler alert, okay, um, we're also going to see this beautiful amazing picture of God's grace in this chapter. I mean, boy, you don't want to miss it. Um, well, verse 1, Now it came to pass when Isaac was old, and his eyes were so dim that he could not see, that he called Esau, his older son, and said to him, My son. And he answered him, Here I am. Then he said, Behold, now I am old, and I do not know the day of my death. So Isaac's about 137 years old, at this point, he can't see very well. His eyes are growing dim. Um, you know, he's blind. Is basically what it is, right? Not to put too fine a point on it. And he thinks he's close to death. He happens to be the same age right now, 137. It's actually the same age that his brother died. It's actually the same age that Ishmael died. So maybe he's I mean, he's not thinking genetics, right? Because they don't know about genetics yet. But, you know, it's starting, starting him to think. And it's true that he doesn't know the day of his death. But what he doesn't know is he's going to live another 43 years. But maybe Isaac's one of those guys, you know, he doesn't want to put off till tomorrow what he can do today. He wants to, you know, make sure he blesses his son before he dies. It's funny though, like many people, Isaac, you know, and, and like I said, like many people, they start dying 43 years ahead of schedule. They get a little ache, a little pain here or there, and all of a sudden, you know what? I'm dying. You know, people, um, they see themselves as good as dead, some of them in their mid 30s. I tell you, I have patients that have come into my office and said, you know, Doc, I think I'm dying. I mean, my joints hurt. I'm tired all the time. I got a dreadful disease. I'm just like, bro, you're over 40. That's all it is. It's normal, right? But he thinks he's dying. It's, it's all over for him, it seems like. You know, some people, they spend half their life dying, one foot in the grave. And it's kind of the way Isaac was. Verse 3, now therefore... Isaac's talking to Esau, son, please take your weapons, your quiver and your bow, and go out to the field and hunt game for me, and make for me savory food such as I love, and bring it to me that I may eat, that my soul may bless you before I die. Isaac knows that the blessing is supposed to go to Jacob, right? Genesis 25, 23, uh, God said the older is going to serve the younger, 
You know, it just makes you, I don't know, sometimes when I read the Bible, maybe you're like this. I just, I just in my heart, I'm just like, what are you doing, Isaac? What are you doing? You have a promise of God concerning your sons. And you're going to try to undo that which is God, God is wanting to do? What are you doing? You're going to try to go against God and his plan um, of who he wants to bring the Messiah through into the world through their lineage just to satisfy your belly because he liked that savory food. You know, um, what are you doing, Isaac? And what's going on here, uh, what's going uh, to happen here is exactly what will happen in our lives if, you know, we resist God's plan in our lives. If we try to thwart God's plan, what's going to happen is we'll force God to rise up against us in resistance. And that's what Isaac is doing. You know, this is a pure act of self-will. Esau... He had no regard for spiritual things. Esau, he's already sold his birthright, and he's married a couple pagan wives. I mean, it's, spiritual things aren't important to him. But Isaac, what are you doing? Why, Isaac, do you want to bless Esau? Contrary to what God wants to do. I mean, I just don't understand it. You know, it sure appears like Isaac's relationship it sure appears. How's that for English? It certainly appears like Isaac's relationship with the Lord, it's cooled in the last 30 years. I mean, he started out so well. We saw him in Genesis 24, 63, out in the field, meditating, praying to God, communing with God. And then we saw him pleading with the Lord on behalf of his his wife, uh, Rebecca, when she was barren, right? Genesis 25, 21. In Genesis 26, we see Isaac lying. We see him living on the fence. He's in the promised land, but he's living as close as he can to Egypt, which is a type of the world. And, uh, you know, we see this downward trend begin to, to start out with, with Isaac's life where he goes and he's there in Gerar and he lies to Abimelech in regards to his wife. And now in Genesis 27, we see Isaac seeking to bless Esau, even though he knows God has chosen, sovereignly chosen Jacob. His decision is just based on carnal desires. Well, how do you know that, Gary? Well, game Depending on the, the uh, Bible you read, if you read the King James Version, it says venison. But game or venison is mentioned seven times in this chapter. Savory food is mentioned six times in this chapter. Eating or eat is mentioned eight times in this chapter. So we see what's driving Isaac, right? It's his fleshly appetite. It's his carnal desires. He's, his feeding of his flesh is taking priority over doing God's will. And what happened to that man that was, you know, submitted to God's plan, willing to lay his life down on that altar there on Mount Moriah? Isaac, where's that Isaac? It's, it's something that we need to be very careful of as believers. If we fail to keep the main thing, the main thing, and of course the main thing is Jesus, if we fail to keep him in the center of our life, what's going to happen is we're going to drift also. And that drifting, it's slow. It's imperceptible. But then one day, 
you know what? Before you know it, you kind of come to your senses and you notice how far you've drifted and it's farther than you've ever, ever thought. I mean, you're farther away from that place you once were. It can be frightening, actually. And Isaac speaks to us. He's an example to us. No matter how old we are, no matter how old you are, you can never stop growing in your relationship with the Lord. Somewhere along the way, somewhere, sometime, Isaac stopped growing in that relationship with the Lord and his, his relationship has cooled. So verse five, now Rebekah was listening when Isaac spoke to Esau, his son. And Isaac, uh, sorry, Esau went to the field to hunt game and to bring it. Overhearing this conversation of Isaac and Esau, Rebekah is going to attempt to do God's work knowing the outcome God intends. So she's going to try to help God out here, but she's not going to do it God's way. And that's the problem. This also is a real warning to us. I mean, you may have a sincere heart. You may, you may be acting with pure motives. You may be stirred by a strong desire to see God's promises that he's made to you come about in your life but we can't seek to ever do it in our own flesh. God's work must be done God's way. Verse six, so Rebekah spoke to Jacob, her son, saying, indeed, I heard your father speak to Esau, your brother, saying, now this is real important, okay? We want to notice this. Verse five, Isaac spoke to Esau, his son. And we read here, verse six, Rebekah spoke to Jacob, her son right? One is Isaac's son. The other one's Jacob's son. And actually, this came about, they learned this from Abraham. Remember, Abraham had a, had a, a favored one child over the other, Abraham and Sarah. And we see this sinful habit now being passed from a father from one generation to the son of another generation. And it's such a picture of, such a sad picture of a house that's divided. Verse seven, she says, bring me game, or uh, she's recounting what uh, she heard Isaac say to Esau, said, bring me game and make savory fruit for me that I may eat it and bless you in the presence of the Lord before my death. Now, don't think, is that right? Yeah. Don't think that uh, Isaac just woke up one day and thought, you know what? I'm going to bless my older son, Esau, instead of Jacob. No, that's not what happened. He's been thinking about this. This has been stewing for some time in his mind. And Rebecca, knowing what God's plan was, she should have just chilled out. She knows God promised the blessing to Jacob. And there's no way anything else could possibly happen. The blessing is going to go to Jacob. God's word is sure. She should have just taken it to the Lord and rested in his ability to bring about his plan. But she's going to get involved. She says, verse 8, Now therefore, my son, obey my voice according to what I command you. What's going on here is kind of funny in my mind, to tell you the truth. Because Jacob's 77 years old at this point, And his mom says, now listen to me, sonny. This is what I want you to do. You know, I hope by the time you're 77 years old, you're uh, able to think for yourself, and your mom isn't bossing you around anymore. Verse 9, 
Go now to the flock and bring me from there two choice kids of the goats, and I will make savory food from them for your father, such as he loves. Now, Rebecca, she must have been a, an amazing cook. She's able to take uh, these two goats and make them taste like venison. She must have had some real skills. Verse 10, then you shall take it to your father and he may, that he may eat it and that he may bless you before his death. Basically is what she is saying is, listen, I've got a plan to outsmart your dad, okay? What we need to do is uh, we need to enact this plan because your dad, I mean, he's kind of messing up, you know, all kinds of things. You know, we need to do this because dad's going to mess up this whole blessing thing that God has promised you. And, you know, we have biblical reasons for what we're going to do. Right? We have biblical reasons for acting like this. And you know when you were born, your brother's supposed to serve you. Right? What's really sad is to know that Rebecca, you know, she came to live with Abraham and Isaac after Sarah died. Had she spent any time with Sarah, Rebecca would have been a different person by now. Sarah, she put up a lot with Abraham's failures. And we read that during that time, she called him Lord. And uh, she had respect for Abraham, even though uh, he, he failed in areas. I mean, she uh, submitted to his leadership. She realized that he was a human, that he was just a man. And I don't know how big of a disappointment that may be, how big of a shock that is for a woman when she realizes her husband is, is less than perfect. You know, Tina found out a long time ago that that was the case. I think now she's just used to it. But Sarah, she had respect for her husband all through her life. And had Rebecca spent any time with Sarah, she would have picked up on that. She would have been a different woman. And you, you can't think that Rebecca gets a pass through all of this because she has biblical reasons or whatever. She doesn't get a pass. Rebecca, we were introduced to her. She was really uh, an amazing woman, right? We read that she was beautiful, not only physically, but spiritually. She was a woman of faith. You know, at one time she was willing to trust the Lord and go with this servant to, to marry a man she'd never met before. Um, she was a woman of prayer. Genesis 25, 22, when the boys were wrestling in her womb, Isaac had prayed, but you know what? She went to the Lord and asked, what is going on? And now we see her scheming against her husband uh, instead of going to the Lord in prayer and letting him do what it is that he wants to do. You know, through all this deceit, Jacob is going to get the blessing. But he would have got it anyway because God said that it was going to go to him. Had they waited, God could have appeared to Isaac and said, you know, what do you think you're doing, dude? You know, God had Isaac's address. He had appeared to Isaac before. You know what? We can't be the Holy Spirit. You know, that person that, that you want to see something happen in their life or you want to see them do something, you know what? You take it to prayer and you let God move in the situation, right? God has Isaac's address. He has your address. He has my address. He can speak to us. 
God has ways of getting things done that doesn't require our scheming or, you know, our strategizing. They should have just stood back and let God do what was in his heart. But, you know, Rebecca, she's got to get her hands in it. Verse 11, and Jacob said to Rebecca, his mother, look, Esau, my brother, is a hairy man and I'm a smooth man. Perhaps my father will fill me and I'll, I shall seem to be a deceiver to him and I shall bring a curse on myself and not a blessing. Jacob is ba ba basically saying here, you know, I don't mind being a deceiving liar to my dad. I just don't want to look like one. That's what he's saying. He's not at all concerned about the wrong or doing wrong. He's not at all concerned about any of that. He just doesn't want to seem like He's a deceiver. He says, I don't care about deceiving my own blind dad. You know, I just don't want to get caught and cursed. That's all that matters to him. Verse 13, but his mother said to him, let your curse be on me, my son. Only obey my voice and go get them for me. She says, listen, if, I get, if, if you get caught, I'm going to take the bullet for you. Okay, because she has biblical grounds for being a deceiver. Rebecca says, you know, in the Bible, it says the older is going to serve the younger and uh, dad's messing it up. So don't worry. I'll take care of it. You just you just do what I say. God cannot and will not bless a lie. God cannot and will not bless any man or any woman who seeks to deceive their spouse. You know, no one gets away with lying. Right. Rebecca, she's going to pay a heavy, heavy price for this fiasco. Esau is going to want to kill Jacob. And as a result, Rebecca is going to beg Isaac to send Jacob away. And then she's never going to see this son that she loves so much. She'll never see him again. Jacob, he's going to be paying a heavy price also for being involved in this, right? He's going to meet his match when he goes and lives with Uncle Laban. And he's going to work 20 hard years for Uncle Laban. Nobody, no one ever gets away with anything. And again, Jacob's 77 years old here. He doesn't have to do everything his mom says. He could just stand up to her and say, no, I'm not going to do this. I'm going to trust the Lord and see what the Lord will do. And that's what we need to do. What does it say, Psalm 1? It says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the ri uh, rivers of water that bring forth its fruit in season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does, he prospers. Psalm 1, 1 through 3. But sadly, Jacob caves to his mom and follows the instruction of his mom. And he goes, he gets these two baby goats, verse 14. And he went and got them and brought them to his mother. And his mother made savory food such as his father loved. Then Rebekah took the choice clothes of her elder son Esau, which were with her in the house, and put them on Jacob, her younger son. Now, this is an important verse. You want to remember this verse. We're going to refer back to it later uh, at the end of the study, verse 15. So continuing on, verse 16. And she put the skins of the kids 
of the goat on his hands and the smooth part of his neck. So this is a fairly elaborate uh, ruse Rebecca is trying to pull off here. And the Hebrew words um, there where it says it put the skin on his hands, the, the Hebrew is actually that they put it on his hands up to his elbows, right? And, uh, you know, she wraps the, his neck in the skins of these baby goats. And just, you know, he's trying to pass Jacob off as Esau. So she's putting these goat skins on him. And it just makes you think, man, how hairy was Esau? I mean, my goodness, you know, he must have looked like Chewbacca or something like that walking around. Uh, verse 17, then she gave the savory food and the bread, which she had prepared into the hand of her son, Jacob. So he went uh, to his father and said, my father. And he said, here I am. Who are you, my son? You know, Jacob probably tries to describe his voice. My father. <coughs> my father. Trying to be like Esau, right? Esau or Isaac, he's not sure. So he asked. He hears this voice, my father. And he, and he asked, yeah, who are you, my son? Who are you? And verse 19 alone is such a sad verse. Jacob's going to tell four lies in a single breath. You know, and that's the problem with lying. Lying is like potato chips. You just can't have one. You keep going back for more and more. So verse 19, Jacob said to his father, I'm Esau, lie number one. He's not Esau. Your firstborn, lie number two. He wasn't the firstborn. I've done just as you told me, lie number three. Jacob didn't speak to, uh, uh, sorry, uh, Jacob didn't speak to Isaac at all, and Isaac didn't tell him to do anything. Please arise, sit, and eat of my game. Lie number four, it's not venison, it's a goat, that your soul may bless me. Four lies, one breath. I mean, this is the first picture in the Bible of hypocrisy. Jacob here, he's being a hypocrite. A hypocrite simply means it's just a person who looks one way on the outside, but on the inside, they're completely different. And the Bible has a lot to say about hypocrisy. Jesus warns us uh, as his followers not, not to be hypocrites. In fact, Jesus said in Luke 12, 1, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Leaven's always a picture of sin in the Bible. And he says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. And the Greek word that Jesus uses there for hypocrisy is literally a mask wearer. Uh, we're not to be wearing masks. We're not to be mask wearers. We're not to um, be something on the outside, but on the inside, something can different, uh, completely different. Hypocrisy he equates to leaven. And the chief characteristic of leaven is that it permeates the entire um, lump of dough. It'll spread through the entire lump of dough. And when there's hypocrisy in the church, it'll spread and permeate the entire church. It'll spread throughout the work that God is wanting to do. And it will... Uh, come to the point of destroying that work that God wants to do, or that hypocrisy will cause God to halt the work that he wants to do. The warning in the Bible in regards to hypocrisy, they're so strong. And as believers, we're to put off 
uh, put away all hypocrisy. Verse 20, but Isaac said to his son, how is it that you found it so quickly, my son? And he said, because the Lord your God brought it to me. Now, Jacob, I mean, I just imagine he takes this deep breath. He comes out with this whopper of a lie. And this is the worst one of them all. Jacob, what are you doing linking God's name to your lies? Taking God's name in vain. And it just shows us, Jacob, he doesn't care who he has to bring into his scheme to get what he wants. He, he has no regard uh, in regards to God's reputation. He doesn't mind bringing God into this lie and marring his reputation if that's what it takes. You know, Jacob is an ends justifies the means kind of guy. He'll do anything it takes to get ahead of life. And it shouldn't be that way, especially for us as believers. We should never be that way. Before Jacob could do any of, of this, though, lying to his, his dad, he first has to lie to himself. And you know, that's the way it is with a lot of sins. Every adulterer is a liar. Because before they enter into that sin of adultery, they have to lie to themselves to reason out in their own mind. You know what? It's actually okay. You know, every thief is a liar. He has to lie to himself first to, before he's able to engage in that activity and that sin. Before a believer can enter into any sin at all, you know what? They have to first lie to themselves. And that makes every sin that we're engaged in secondary to the sin of lying. And Jacob, again, he has no regard for his dad. And that, uh, you know, that he's, he's uh, willing to lie to his dad, no regard. And again, sadly, what you're going to see is that reproduced in Jacob's boy, uh, boys, and it's going to be tremendously painful. The lie that they tell Jacob is just going to crush him, nearly kill him. No one gets away with anything. The Lord sees, and there are consequences to our actions, consequences to our sins. And we must be men and women of integrity. We must be men and women as believers, you know, of our word. That way there, you know, uh, we're able to stand strong and walk before the Lord uprightly and be pleasing to him. We need to purpose in our hearts just to be upright before the Lord. Verse 21, then Isaac said to Jacob, please come near that I may fill you, my son, whether you're really my son Esau or not. Isaac isn't buying this. He's a little suspicious. Something seems to be fishy to Isaac. So he wants to put his hands on his son and make sure that it's actually him. Excuse me. Verse 22. So Jacob went near to Isaac, his father, and he felt him and said, the voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Harry or Esau. That's what Harry, uh, Esau means. I mean, think about it. How hairy is a goat? Esau, poor guy, man. I mean, he's that hairy. You know, he probably has a five o'clock shadow before he even finishes shaving. And uh, no wonder he married uh, Hittite women. They were probably just as hairy as he was. 
But um, verse 23, and he did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed him. Then he said, are you really my son Esau? And he said, I am. Isaac still unsure. So he asked Jacob again, are you really my son? And Jacob comes back with lie number six. And boy, don't you, don't you feel for Isaac? I mean, as a parent, how would you feel if your kids just lied to you straight to your face, right? No remorse, no sorrow in it. They just uncaring, just bold-faced lie. Jacob, what are you doing? What are you doing, bro? Jacob's not a believer at this point doesn't mean that you can excuse his action. He's not a believer, but it doesn't make it any less wrong or any less heartbreaking uh, that he would treat his dad like this. Verse 25, he said, Bring it near to me, and I will eat of my son's game so that my soul may bless you. So he brought it near to him, and he ate, and he uh, brought him wine, and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, Come near now. And kiss me, my son. Isaac, still not sure. He's still a little skeptical. Verse 27, and he came near and kissed him and he smelled the smell of his clothing and blessed him and said, surely the smell of my son is like the smell of a field which the Lord has blessed. I mean, think about it. Esau is as hairy as a goat and he smells like, you know, a field. It smells like an outdoor, you know, pasture or something like that. I mean, he must have been a real man's man. Uh, I don't know. I've smelt some Middle Eastern guys. I've been in a bus before, you know. It's not a smell that uh, is soothing to me at all. The sad thing, though, in verse 28 is Isaac, he starts to give Jacob, uh, starts to give Jacob the blessing that would have been his anyway had he just trusted the Lord. He says, therefore, my God, Isaac says, blessing Jacob, therefore, my God, give you of the dew of heaven, of the fatness of the earth, and plenty of grain and wine. Isaac pronounces a blessing of physical of prosperity, food and drink. He goes on, let peoples serve you and nations bow down to you. He pronounces this blessing of uh, mastery over the uh, world, over the nations, through uh, his descendants. Ultimately, this blessing is going to be fulfilled in Jesus Christ and his second coming in the establishment of the millennial kingdom. He continues, be master over your brethren and let your mother's son bow down to you. Now, this is criminal. This is, this is terrible. He thinks he's given this blessing to Esau and he knows God's will and he's doing exactly the opposite. He continues, cursed be everyone who curses you and blessed be everyone who bless you. And again, sadly, Isaac gives this blessing. In his mind, he's given it to Esau, contrary to the word of God that was given uh, before these two boys would, were born. After pronouncing the blessing, you know, Esau, he probably leans back in his chair, his, his lazy boy, you know, and just thinks to himself, you know what? This is as good as it gets. My belly is full and I've given this unbelievable blessing to my eldest son. Sure, God said, but you know what? I made things right. This is the way it's supposed to be. 
this chapter, it just seems to get worse and worse. It's almost too hard to continue. Well, somebody might say, how is God blessing Jacob, though? I mean, after all the things he's doing, deceiving and lying, conniving and scheming, after all these lies, how is it that God's blessing Jacob? Well, God's not blessing Jacob's behavior, right? In fact, God is going to have to work these things out of Jacob. These characteristics, he's going to work them out. In God's sovereignty, he chose Jacob, but he doesn't approve of this behavior. And in Genesis 31, 32, you know, we're going to see God beginning to work these uh, practices out of Jacob, even breaking him of these characteristics. And boy, such a lesson to us. I mean, there's so many lessons from this chapter that just screams out to me. If we fail to walk in submission to the Lord, if we fail to turn from our own ways, if we insist on doing things in our own strength, in our own wisdom, then God, he will lovingly bring correction into our lives. And, uh, you know, it may be a little bit uncomfortable. It may even be painful. You know, with God, I think I've learned personally that there's an easy way. Just surrender, obey, go with the plan, or there's a hard way. You know, the hard way results in a spanking. And Jacob, he insists on the hard way. Verse 30, now it happened as soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob and Jacob had scarcely gone out from the presence of Isaac, his father, that Esau, his brother, came in from his hunting. I mean, it almost gives you the feeling that as Jacob is leaving, he passes Esau as he's going going in. I wonder if Esau just kind of looks at Jacob and thinks, dude, what do you got goat skins on your arms and on your neck for? Verse 31, he also made savory food and brought it to his father and said to his father, let my father arise and eat of his son's game that your soul may bless me. And his father, Isaac, said to him, who are you? So he said, I'm your son, your firstborn Esau. In verse 33, then Isaac trembled exceedingly. King James Version says, Isaac trembled very exceedingly. New Living Translation says, Isaac began to tremble uncontrollably. NIV says, Isaac trembled violently. ESV says, then Isaac trembled very violently. Christian Standard Bible says, Isaac began to tremble uncontrollably. The Hebrew says it this way, Isaac trembled with a great trembling greatly. I mean, probably what's going on here is Isaac is shaking so much he falls off his chair. I mean, you know, you got to get this picture that Isaac now is afraid. He's scared, you know? Isaac says, who? Isaac realizes what he's done. And God's plan was not altered by his misdeeds. And a holy fear sets in to Isaac's heart. He says, where is the one who hunted game and brought it to me? I ate of it. Uh, I ate all of it uh, before you came and I blessed him. And indeed, he shall be blessed. I mean, Isaac, now he realizes what just happened. 
what he thought he did and what God actually did. He knows that God's plans now, he knows that they're not going to be thwarted. And Jacob, in fact, is going to be blessed. And when Esau heard this, verse 34, when Esau heard these words of his father, he cried out with an exceedingly great and bitter cry and said to his father, bless me, me also, my father. And that's where Esau's eyes were. They were on himself. He's not sorry that he sold his birthright. He's sorry that he's, that he's lost this double inheritance that came normally to the eldest son through this blessing. In verse 35, uh, Isaac says, but he said, your brother came with deceit and has taken away your blessing. And you know what? It's just so crazy how bad your sin looks on another person. He says that Isaac came with deceit. And yet that's the way he's treating God, trying to overcome God's plan for his boys. He's treating God with deceit. He said, your brother came with deceit and has taken away your blessing. And again, that's not accurate. Um, he didn't take away Esau's blessing. It wasn't Esau's blessing in the first place. It was never Esau's blessing. The blessing was Jacob's blessing from before birth. The way Jacob got it, though, the way he went about getting it uh, was wrong, right? He should have just relaxed and let God do it for him. Verse 36, and Esau said, is he not rightly named Jacob, surplanter, trickster, heel catcher, you know, taking advantage of anybody within 10 feet? Isn't, that, isn't he rightly named Jacob? For he has supplanted me. These two times, he took away my birthright, and now look, he's taken away my blessing. And again, funny thing, man, there's a whole lot of lying going on in this chapter because Esau's lying here. He knows the blessing isn't his, right? He sold the blessing, and, and that blessing goes with the birthright that he sold for a bowl of stew. And he said, have you not reserved a blessing for me? Then Isaac answered in verse 37 and said, Esau, indeed, I've made him your master and all his brethren I've given to him as servants. With grain and wine, I have sustained him. What shall I do for you, my son? And Esau said to his father, only have only you, have you only one blessing, my father? Bless me, me also, oh my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. Now, the writer to the Hebrews uh, comments on the events that are going on here. If you wanted to look over Hebrews 12, 15 through 17, the writer to the Hebrews uh, wrote, looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled, lest they become, uh, lest they be any fornicator or profane person like Esau, who for a morsel of food sold his birthright. Jacob didn't steal the birthright. Esau sold it. And the word profane used here, it just simply means common, right? He didn't have a heart that was directed towards God. He had no regard for spiritual things or for worship. I mean, he was a man who lived outside of a relationship with God, and he considered, he counted those things of God 
as common. And the writer of the Hebrews continues, for you know that afterward when he repented, uh, uh, sorry, and you know that afterward when he wanted to inherit the blessing, and this blessing, it was a material blessing. This is, like I said, that double portion that comes to the eldest person. That's what he wanted. The birthright, that's spiritual. He had no regard for that. He didn't care about that. He only wanted the the material blessing. He wanted the crops. He wanted the fields. And the writer continues to say, for you know that afterward when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected for he found no place for repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. It doesn't mean that he couldn't repent of his sins. There's always room for someone to turn to God and repent. He could have asked God to forgive him and uh, you know, forgive him for walking in his own wisdom, to forgive him for marrying unbelievers, forgive him for being a disgrace to his family, forgive him for not cherishing spiritual things you know, uh, that were his, but he counted them as common. He could have asked for forgiveness for that, and God would have forgiven him and would have received him. Nothing would have prohibited uh, that type of repentance. But what's being said here is Esau had no room in his heart for repentance. He wasn't broken over his sin. He, didn't, he just didn't like the consequences of his sin. He didn't, that's what he was crying about. He couldn't take back his decision of selling his birthright and receiving the blessing. So that's why he's so upset. That's what he's crying about. In verse 39, And Isaac, his father, answered and said to him, Behold, your dwelling shall be of the fatness of the earth, and of the dew of heaven from above. So Isaac is blessing Esau here. He says, you're going to live in and enjoy the field. That's what you've always done. Verse 40, by your sword you shall live. Esau's descendants were, they are kind of a warlike, a warring people. He continues, and you shall serve your brother. And it shall come to pass when you become restless that you shall break his yoke from your neck. The day would come when Esau's descendants would no longer be uh, under subjection to uh, Jacob, to Israel. Um, Verse 41, so Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, the days of mourning for my father are at hand, and I'm going to kill my brother Jacob. I mean, Esau is just comforting himself with the thoughts that, you know, the day's coming, my dad's going to die. You know, and in that day, I'm going to kill my brother. You know, just hang in there till then. It's going to be okay. You know what? When you get to kill him, I mean, would you agree with me that this family is dysfunctional? I mean, deception on the part of Isaac towards God resulting in his rebelling to God's plan. Deception on the part of Rebecca, Isaac's wife, towards her husband, showing him no respect, lying to him, sowing to the wind and reaping the whirlwind. Deception on the part of Jacob, anger, hatred, murderous thoughts on the part of Esau towards Jacob. And I mean, it's just a day in the life of this family. This is just the way they are. But it didn't have to be this way. Had they kept the main thing, the main thing, had they not allowed their hearts to grow cold towards the things of God, they could have avoided all this heartache, all this pain and problem. 
you know? But in the bigger picture, God is on the throne. He is reigning. God is not going to allow Esau to slaughter Jacob, to kill his brother. But there are consequences all around for each of their actions. Verse 42, and the words of Esau, her older son, were told to Rebekah. So she sent and called Jacob, her younger son, and said to him, Surely your brother Esau comforts himself concerning you by intending to kill you. How do you like to hear your mom say that? You know, Esau is comforting himself. He's saying to himself, it's okay, cheer up. Everything's going to be okay as soon as you kill Jacob. I mean, isn't that just the news you want your mom to bring to you? Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice, verse 43. I mean, the last time she said this, Jacob got in a lot of trouble. I mean, there comes a time in our lives where we should all just turn our ears, listen to the Lord, the voice of God over the voice of our moms. Jacob's 77 years old. Hopefully, you'll learn this lesson before you're 77 uh, years old. She says, Arise, flee to my brother Laban in Haran, and stay with him a few days until your brother's fury turns away. She thinks it's just going to be a few days that her favorite son is going to be away from home. But again, it's going to be 20 years, and Rebecca will never see her son again. Uh, Man, what a heavy price. Verse 45, until your brother's anger turns away from you and he forgets what he has done, or what you have done to him. What do you mean, mom, what I've done to him? It was all your idea, mom. I mean, I told you I didn't want to do it and you said, let the curse fall on me. You said you were going to take the bullet and now you're saying it's all my fault? It was your plan, mom. She continues, then I'll send and bring you from there. Why should I be bereaved also of you both in one day? And what she's saying is she's concerned that, you know, what's going to happen is she's going to lose both Esau and Jacob in one day. They're going to end up killing each other if Jacob sticks around. And that's why she's saying, and, and that's what she's saying when she says, um, why should I be bereaved of you both in one day? And Rebecca said to Isaac, I am weary of my life because of the daughters of Heth. If Jacob takes a wife of the daughters of Heth, like those who are the daughters of the land, what good will my life be to me? I mean, do you think that that's really what's plaguing Rebecca right now? She doesn't want her son to marry one of the neighborhood kids. You know, the, the daughters of Heth are, uh, you know, speaking of the Hittite women. But is that, I mean, she just, that's what her big concern is? No. She's still playing her husband. She's still lying to Isaac. She hasn't learned anything yet. She's trying to manipulate Isaac to send Jacob away to put some distance between him and Esau. And what a tragedy it is to see Rebecca here. I mean, she's a woman that started out so well. She started out beautiful and she was pure, we are told, selfless, kind and considerate. She was hardworking, full of faith. She was a woman of prayer. She began so strong, but she never finishes her race. She began in the spirit, but then she tries to finish in the strength of the flesh. And she becomes this lying, manipulating woman who is relying on her own wisdom and strength 
relying on her plans to get what she wanted. Instead of praying and looking to the Lord and, and allowing him to bring his promises to, to about to bear, you know, the way uh, he intended. I mean, he's the one that gave those promises. But Isaac, you know, too, it's not just Rebecca. Isaac's similar story. Isaac, as we already said, he started out well also. He was an obedient son to his father, walking in the faith that his father had, laying down his life there on that altar there on Mount Moriah, Genesis 22. And how tragic it is that Isaac, at the end of his life, all he can think about is filling his belly, satisfying his you know, carnal appetites, his fleshly appetites. No mention of prayer here. No mention of seeking God, inquiring of God. He just wants to eat some of that savory food. And there's this, this overwhelming absence of any kind of communion with God in this chapter. I mean, Isaac, he has drifted so far. He wants to bless godless Esau. He was blind physically, we read at the beginning of the, the chapter, but he's also blind spiritually to the things of God. Both Isaac and Rebekah, they started in the spirit, but they finished in the flesh because they allowed their hearts to drift. They failed, like we said before, to keep the main thing, the main thing to keep the Lord the center of their life. You know, they leaned on their own wisdom and they failed to acknowledge uh, God in, in all they were doing. You know, they failed to keep the Lord at the center of their life. And I tell you what, there's such a powerful verse to me. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1. I mean, this verse is so powerful. One of the most powerful warnings in the Bible, I think, says, therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. Man, if we're not paying attention, if we're not just earnestly seeking the Lord, holding fast those things that were entrusted to us, the word of God, the teaching that we've received through the years from just godly men. Boy, verse 3, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? And look, it doesn't say how shall we escape if we reject so great a salvation. It's not what it says says, how shall we escape if we neglect? Man, if we just like count it as common, we just pay no attention to it, just like, yeah, okay, whatever. You know, it's Thursday, it's Sunday, it's Saturday, it's whatever. You know, sure, there's somebody there that, that needs help. Be warm and be filled. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? I mean, it's such a powerful warning to me. It should be a powerful warning to all of us. Should we neglect the things of the Lord? Should we fail to exercise faith in the Lord? Lean on our own understanding. Should we fail to acknowledge him in all we do? Each one of us will drift. That's the truth. And Rebecca and Isaac's story, it could very easily be any one of our stories if we don't keep the main thing the main thing. If we don't seek to keep Jesus at the center of our, our lives. We'll drift too. Such a tragic chapter. But the picture God paints for us in this chapter 
of his grace is as wonderful and beautiful as this uh, chapter is dark, right? Jacob, look at it. Jacob was accepted by his father when he came to him in the name of Esau. Jacob receives a blessing from the father that he does not deserve. He receives the acceptance and blessing of the father when he comes to him in the name of the beloved son. He comes to the father clothed in the garments of the beloved son. And that was a sweet smelling aroma to the father. That's verse 15. That's the one I said, remember. In a similar way, each one of us, we receive a blessing we don't deserve. We're accepted by the father when we come to him in the name of his beloved son, Jesus Christ. And when we're clothed in the garments of salvation, when we're clothed in the righteousness of Christ, which that happens when we place our faith in him. Boy, you know what? That, that, those garments of salvation, the righteousness of Christ, there's such a sweet-smelling aroma to God the Father. I mean, it's such a, a beautiful picture of grace that we've received when we come to the Father in the name of his Son. And grace, undeserved, unmerited favor. In fact, I mean, I've come to the place where grace, it's more than undeserved, unmerited favor. It's anti-merited favor. It's everything that you don't deserve. Grace, somebody said G-R-A-C-E. It's an acronym for God's riches at Christ's expense. I mean, isn't it just the way our God is to put this beautiful picture of blessing and acceptance and grace in this extremely dark chapter? You know, to associate his grace, his blessing, his acceptance with this dysfunctional family. You know, it doesn't matter how dark, you know, how dark things are in your life. It doesn't matter, you know, what type of family that you come from. You know, if you come from a, disfa- a dysfunctional family or not. None of that matters. What's important to know is that there's blessing for you from God. If you'll come to him through Jesus, his son, his beloved son, if you're not a believer today, I mean, you can receive God's blessing in your life if you'll just be willing to place your faith in Jesus' death on the cross, taking your place, taking your sin, shedding his blood. If you'll place your faith in his death, in his burial, in his resurrection, you can be saved. If you would turn your heart to the Lord, And just ask him to forgive you of your sins. To ask you to come into your life. That you believe that Christ is is God. That he's God's son. That he came to die on your behalf. And if you would ask him to give you the power to live for him. To walk with him. You know what? God will meet you. And he'll wash your sins away. He'll cleanse you. He'll give you newness of life. and, And just wipe the slate clean. You'll be a new creation. It's just, it just takes you asking. Man, would you ask him? Would you ask him to come into your heart? Would you ask him to save you today? Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you for your word. Lord, it's so beautiful. It's such a blessing. Lord, just revealing your heart to us. God, I thank you that, Lord, you accept people like Isaac and Jacob and Rebecca and, Lord, 
as dysfunctional, as messed up, as lying and conniving and scheming they may be, Lord, you're willing to receive those people. You're willing to receive outcasts. You're willing to receive the brokenhearted. You're willing to receive those that are rejected by society. Lord, you're willing to bring healing and wholeness into the lives, Lord. If you want to pray right now and ask Jesus to come into your heart, you know, all you need to pray, there's no magic words, it's just the sincerity of your heart. Father, forgive me for my sins. I believe Christ died on the cross for my sins, took my sins, shed his blood. I believe in his death, his burial, and resurrection, that he rose again the third day, and he's at the right hand of the Father now making intercession for, for me. Father, would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? Give me the power to live for you. Come into my life, God. I give you my life. I desire to, to live for you, Lord. If you pray that prayer and you're sincere, God will meet you, cleanse you. And if you've prayed that prayer, your name is now written in the Lamb's Book of Life. He's adopted you into the family of God. Father, I just want to pray for anybody that maybe asked you into their heart. Lord, you just strengthen them, minister to them. Let them know that you're near and you're pleased with them. Lord, in that decision that they made to follow you. Lord, for Calvary Chapel Truckee, Father God, we pray your hand a blessing on us as a church. Lord, you fill us with your spirit. You keep us safe in these days of the COVID pandemic as we meet together. Lord, keep us safe. Lord, we want to glorify you. We want to honor you. We want to gather together as a body and worship you, Lord. Keep us safe. Father, let your word wash over us and accomplish an eternal purpose in each one of us, I pray. In your name, Jesus, amen. Hey, if you gave your heart to the Lord, give me a call here at the church office. Man, I want to talk with you. I want to get a Bible in your hands, answer any questions you have. Just help you along with this new walk that you have with Jesus Christ. Calvary Chapel Church family, I love you. I'm praying for you. Be safe. God bless you. Looking forward to seeing you Sunday.